0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. July 31st, it is Monday night, 7-31-2023. The trade deadline for Major League Baseball this year is less than 24 hours away as of this recording. By the time you listen to it, we'll be even closer to the finish line on this crazy period, the trading frenzy of Major League Baseball 2023. With full acknowledgement that by the time I finish this recording, some of the information I'm presenting and the opinions I may be espousing could be completely obsolete because Jeff Passan might be dropping a bomb on Twitter right as I'm speaking right now and then the stuff I'm saying becomes irrelevant. For that reason, we'll keep tonight's episode a little bit sharper, a little shorter, and hone in on one specific topic and hope that... This topic does not have any grand implications or changes before at least Tuesday morning. Obviously, St. Louis Cardinals podcast, subscribe on YouTube. If you never have checked out the content before, you're seeing it for the first time. Hopefully, you enjoy it. But it is a daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast that I post on YouTube, post on Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as well. It's called Be Shafe Daily. And on this channel, we do post videos and have live streams separate from the podcast itself, but subscribe on Apple and Spotify to be Shafe daily. Hit that subscribe button for this channel and give a like to this video. If you enjoy Cardinals content, this is the place you want to be right here on YouTube. Let's talk tonight though about Jack Flaherty because I thought it was very interesting. Some of the things I'd read from Derek Gould of the St. Louis post dispatch tonight with regard to the way the Cardinals are viewing his presence on the roster, his continued presence here at this trade deadline Obviously, he's somebody the Cardinals would like to trade, but it also seems that as the clock nears midnight on this pre-trade deadline period for the St. Louis Cardinals that maybe a Jack Flaherty trade is not a 100% guarantee. I don't know if I completely agree with that, but I'll present to you sort of the thought process and the rationale that was described by Derek in his article for STL Today, which I absolutely Recommend you guys go checking out, but it is a bit of a launching off point here tonight because after the moves of Sunday, when the Cardinals successfully unload Jordan Hicks for prospects and unload Jordan Montgomery, Chris Stratton for prospects, you felt like, okay, they're on the right path. They recognize that these short-term expiring assets are no benefit to them unless the Cardinals who are not competitive in 2023 can find a way to extract some value from those players from their present-day value and turn them into future assets, prospects, controllable pieces, whatever the case might be. Jack Flaherty is basically the only guy remaining firmly in that category right now for the Cardinals heading into Tuesday. Yes, you could make a case for Paul DeYoung because his $12.5 million team option for next year is prohibitive. It's not a deal the Cardinals, I think, will be anxious to pick up That being said, they will still have to pay him the $2 million buyout. They've got to pay him the remainder of his salary for this season in 2023. So could Paul DeYoung be on the move before now and 5 p.m. Tuesday? It's a possibility. There are other considerations. Could the Cardinals trade further from their relief pitching core? I think it might make sense to do so. Giovanni Gallegos has the ERA back down to 3.60. And when you saw the trade return that the Seattle Mariners got this evening for Paul Sewald, their closing pitcher, who's now heading to the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for a couple of Major League bats and a prospect, you figure, hey, the relief pitching market seems to be pretty hot still. I mean, the Cardinals on Sunday gave Jordan Hicks and just two months of him, and in return, they got two double-A pitchers who immediately are vaulted to triple-A for St. Louis. They'll be in Memphis Who knows? By 2024, you could see Adam Klopfenstein or Sam Robertsa in St. Louis as early as 2024. I don't think it's impossible that you would. Those are the kinds of going rates that we're seeing for prominent relief pitching at this deadline, which makes you wonder, do the Cardinals continue to more aggressively pursue Gallegos? Do they continue to float Ryan Helsley as some reports have suggested they've done? I think that one's a little bit interesting and and probably more complicated and difficult due to the nature of his injury right now. He's not on the active roster, making his way back from a forearm concern. What does that do to the asking price? How do the Cardinals balance that with the notion that if they wanted, Ryan Helsley can remain their closer for next season? He is still under team control, but you did have the entire fiasco with his arbitration this past offseason. So a lot of Elements to consider if you're the Cardinals heading into this deadline. But the one that I didn't really think was much of a consideration was Jack Flaherty. I thought it would be signed, sealed, delivered so simple to trade this player before 5 p.m. Tuesday. And especially after the Cardinals on Sunday were able to come up with three pitching prospects and then a fourth pitcher that'll probably be in their major league bullpen in 28-year-old left-hander John King. In addition, they pick up Sejaci the middle infield prospect, the utility man who's got 15 home runs this year with Double A Frisco, an OPS near 900. When I asked John Moselock about him yesterday, compared him defensively and in just general baseball terms to Brendan Donovan and said, we've got one, Brendan Donovan. We've loved the production he's given us. Would we like to come up with another one? That would be awesome. According to John Moselock talking about Thomas Sejasi. I think the return the Cardinals got for their three expiring contracts in Montgomery Hicks and Stratton yesterday or quality returns. That being said, the Cardinals are now in a spot where maybe they can be a little more selective with the trades that they make. Doesn't necessarily have to be pitching, pitching, pitching the way that John Moselak had outlined previously. But at the end of the day, don't you still have to trade Jack Flaherty? He's on an expiring deal. This team's not going anywhere in 2023. And sure, you could give him the qualifying offer and maybe you get a draft pick out of him when he signs elsewhere. But other than that, wouldn't the benefit be scan the nature of Major League Baseball right now and find out who's looking for some starting pitching because this is a liquidation sale. The Cardinals have got to get rid of Flaherty, not because he hasn't been a good pitcher this year. He's done a solid job. He's got fine numbers. I think a contending rotation could look at him as a number three, number four, maybe depending on their circumstances, some teams might view him even higher than that in their pecking order in their rotation. But for the Cardinals, the path forward seemed simple. Trade Jack Flaherty for what you can get for him in present day and 2024 value rather than hold out in hopes that you might be able to recoup a draft pick that won't be selected until July 2024 that likely will not impact the big league roster at the earliest until 2026 or beyond. That's not really of the caliber that the Cardinals are looking for right now to compete in 2024 and 2025. Therefore, it makes sense to maximize Jack Flaherty's value by sending him to a contender before this deadline. But the article by Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch paints an intriguing picture of where the Cardinals are with their pitching depth organizationally and the notion that of all the guys that they still have remaining, And of all the conversation we've had about swing and miss stuff, the guy who can actually strike out some batters is Jack Flaherty. Beyond that, there hasn't been a lot of that from the big league club this season. So how, the casual baseball fan might wonder and have reason to do so, might the Cardinals suggest they can improve their swing and miss as a pitching staff while getting rid of one of the guys that actually excels in that area, one of the few guys who has done so for the 2023 Cardinals. Striking out nearly a batter per inning this season and in past years has excelled even beyond that level when it comes to swing and miss stuff and strikeout rate for the Cardinals' rotation. While the Cardinals arguably picked up a couple guys on Sunday who could factor in in that way in the future, like kloffenstein who from the Toronto Blue Jays AA affiliate was able to strike out 105 batters, in 89 innings this season. That's a nice rate. It's kind of the best season that he has had as a professional. 2021-2022 were more of a struggle for him. How much is that real? And I guess we'll find out very quickly as the Cardinals elevate him to AAA Memphis upon his arrival to the organization. But that's an example of a guy who has at least flashed the potential to be a high K-rate type of guy, a miss-bats type of pitcher, which is what the Cardinals have really talked often about recently, that they're looking for at the straight deadline. You could make the case that Takoa Robey, the pitcher from the Texas Rangers A affiliate, who had a 5 ERA this year with them, but only pitched in 10 games because he's been dealing with a shoulder injury that John Moselock said should be able to clear up to the extent that he will be able to pitch again in 2023 in real minor league game action. But he's a 21-year-old kid who last year at high A struck out 126 batters in 104 innings this year 50 strikeouts in 46 innings at double a even as he has dealt with some of these shoulder concerns that ultimately got him shut down for a period of time the cardinals did add some guys who can miss bats yesterday but is it enough when you look ahead to the 2024 rotation how many of these double a kids are reasonably going to be able to reach the major leagues and contribute in a meaningful way as early as next season because that was the edict from John Mozeliak and company When it came to this trade deadline, I think realistically, when you looked at the guys that they have been willing to give up so far, it has been the guys you knew must be traded, expiring contracts, free agents to be pitchers that you'd have for a couple more months. And then all bets are off. There's no guarantee that Jordan Montgomery, Jordan Hicks or Chris Stratton would have been in this organization next year. And if you'd like for them to be, guess what? You can still re-sign them that's a door that the Cardinals and those individual pitchers have evidently left open. So it's not impossible that you could bring those guys back, but focus on the return you can possibly get now from contending teams that are desperate to bulk up their pitching because they're in a race and the Cardinals aren't. It's not familiar territory for where St. Louis has been in recent years under John Mozeliak, but it's where they are today. And so I applaud the Cardinals for recognizing kind of where they're sitting and to know that we have to be able to do something With these assets that are valuable to others, they just don't serve much value to the Cardinals in August and September of 2023. So they were able to get value, I believe, for three of those pitchers, and you've still got some that could move. But the primary name on that list is Jack Flaherty because of the combination of his presence as a capable starting pitcher and his contract situation, which is poof at the end of this season. I have maintained that it makes sense only for the Cardinals to get value for him. If your plan is to contend in 2024, 2025, and not have this long, drawn-out rebuild, it only makes sense to get what you can for these guys in the here and the now, double-A prospects at a minimum. Yeah, for rental guys, it's probably the best you can do. Guys who are between double-A, triple-A, maybe you propel those careers forward by promoting them to Memphis soon, as the Cardinals are doing with both pitchers that they acquired from the Toronto Blue Jays, and maybe those guys excel to where you can factor them in as early as breaking camp in 2024. But usually, I think it's going to be an uphill climb to find those kinds of guys for each of these rental pitchers. But Flaherty could be an exception to that. We have seen starting pitching move on this trade deadline. Aaron Savali was traded by the Cleveland Guardians today. You saw relief pitchers like Seawald move for the aforementioned bats to the Arizona Diamondbacks, guys like Josh Rojas and Dominic Kenzoni. Those are major league bats being moved for pitching. Now, Seawald, I believe, is under team control beyond this season, as is Savali, who's got a couple years of team control remaining. But Jack Flaherty, even as a rental, I think the market has set itself up to where the Cardinals should be able to cash in, at least getting a nice double-A to triple-A prospect that if they continue to need pitching as they entered this trade deadline period discussing, they could go that route. Or I realistically think you could add offense if you really needed to for Flaherty, or you could package Flaherty with somebody else that has been rumored to be on the block. Like a Dylan Carlson wouldn't be my personal preference, but I get it like a Tyler O'Neill as Derek Gould reports that the Cardinals have obviously offered out Tyler O'Neill. It's not like they've made him completely untouchable But we saw Katie Wu recently report that the Cardinals expect to hold on to him. I think, just reading the situation from my end, that is more of a result of the types of offers the Cardinals have gotten and expect to continue to get when it comes to Tyler O'Neal. You don't want to sell a guy at his lowest point. And as a result, with O'Neal just recently coming off of the injured list, my impression is that the Cardinals probably haven't gotten the offers that they see fit for Tyler O'Neal, which is why their anticipation would be that he would remain a Cardinal beyond the August 1st trade deadline. But Derek writes that teams looking for offense do see O'Neal as a part of the group of available outfielders from the Cardinals in this trade deadline period at large. I think that's right. I think it's just going to have to be the ask. The Cardinals are going to have to be compelled to move O'Neill as a result of getting something worthwhile in return. If they don't, they say that's fine. Let's see O'Neill play through August and September he will, if healthy, probably perform very well because he is a ridiculously good athlete. He has a lot of tools on a baseball field. And so the Cardinals might then be able to, to show other teams like, look, here was his body of work from the second half of the season. Would you like to acquire this player for 2024 in November or December? Or the Cardinals could also always go the route of he's our starting left fielder day one of 2024. As long as they don't make him the starting center fielder, I've really got no problem with it. I absolutely could see a world in which Tyler O'Neill balls out in 2024, earns himself another gold glove in left field, bats as a middle-of-the-order hitter for the Cardinals, and potentially earns himself a lot of money in free agency thereafter, or perhaps in an extension with the Cardinals if the goodwill is built up to a degree that it just hasn't reached at this point. But the bottom line is, can Tyler O'Neill stay healthy? That will be the question that Cardinals and the teams that are potentially pursuing him at this deadline Will need to answer. And I think it's also compelling to take a look at the way the Cardinals have handled that playing time. They've made Tyler O'Neill a regular player ahead of this trade deadline. We've talked a lot about how that has squeezed Dylan Carlson out of the everyday lineup. He's just not getting those opportunities against right handed pitching anymore, the way that he was for a stretch of this season. I also talked about how Ollie Marmel has put his weight behind Dylan Carlson to say, yes, he hasn't hit against right handed pitching as a lefty just yet. But he's 24 years old, and despite the sample size that he has received, they still believe that there's an undeveloped element to his left-handed hitting stroke against right-handed pitching that could lead Dylan Carlson to greater things in the future. That's the viewpoint of Ollie Marble. Is it the viewpoint of John Mozeliak? It may be. It may not be. But regardless, the Cardinals do know that they have a logjam in that outfield. And I think part of that, and, and part of the reason that you're seeing Dylan Carlson not play as much right now, even though we are a hashtag everyday Dylan podcast, it's understanding that they're trying to juggle a lot of things at once. And I think that's part of what they're doing with Tyler O'Neill. They're saying, hey, he's going to play every day. Is it likely that we get a robust offer for him before the deadline? Probably not because he's only been off the IL for a couple of weeks, but that's part of this equation. I believe as well. I do think there is a distinct possibility. It may be a far-fetched one, but I don't think it's a 0% chance that O'Neill has dealt before Tuesday's deadline. It's all going to depend on the asking price and the return when it comes to these outfielders. And I throw Alec Burleson's name in there as well because I think teams are probably asking on him because they think maybe they can buy him low. A guy who just flat out never strikes out, who's got some pretty solid batted ball data and is a left-handed hitter, contact-oriented, but clearly has the, the opportunity, I think, to develop some power down the road, and is just 24 years old himself, like Carlson. So there's maybe a lot to like about Burleson, but when you look at where the Cardinals have thrown their weight in the outfield conversation, it's behind Lars Neupar, behind Jordan Walker, who is a, a work in progress, putting it nicely defensively. But that's two of the three spots for next year's outfield, and that's where you kind of say, I think between this next 20 hours or so of the Cardinals trade deadline pursuits and... November, December, that trading period that will obviously exist too. The Cardinals might have to unload at least one outfielder. I say maybe two, but probably not two. I think uh, there is the element of good to have some depth because you know that injuries can come up and strike you. But at the same time, if they view Tommy Edmond as a capable outfielder, maybe that changes their thinking on some of these other outfielders that they have as part of this logjam. Same could be said for Brendan Donovan. If they believe he gets healthy, Uh, and is able to throw again without surgery, slotting him into a corner outfield spot on a given day is not something they're uncomfortable with doing. And so perhaps that colors their opinion and their viewpoint that they might be able to move on from some other outfielders. But these are all elements the Cardinals are juggling right now. But specific to Jack Flaherty, I was intrigued to read what Derek had to say about how the Cardinals are coloring their asking price, which is said uh, across the industry, to be high. That's something you may have seen I recalled the Buster Olney tweet from a couple of days ago, which I didn't bring up on the podcast. I didn't pay much attention to it because the way that Buster only phrased it was that, well, from the buyer's side of things, from the executives I've talked to that are looking to buy from the Cardinals, believe it or not, their asking prices are high on their pitching. Well, why shouldn't they be? When you tweeted that out, it was July 29th. It's now the 31st and moving very quickly into August 1st as of the release of this podcast episode. So it stands to reason that the Cardinals would have held high asking prices, but now the rubber is going to have to meet the road and they've been able to offload a number of those short-term expiring pitching contracts. But now Flaherty is the one that remains, but here's what's interesting about the way that Derek Gould describes it for the Cardinals contextualizing it by saying, Hey, for a team that does lack swing and miss Flaherty is a guy that can at least provide that to some extent. Again, He is averaging fewer than a strikeout per inning this year. And so positioning him versus the rest of the staff, yeah, he looks great. I would still say he's not necessarily a high-octane, bonafide strikeout guy that you can guarantee is going to give you that type of performance in 2024 if you did bring him back. But Gould writes, if they do not find a trade for Flaherty, the Cardinals could present him with a qualifying offer for 2024, a one-year deal, which would be around $20 million. We don't know the exact amount yet, but it's the same for all qualifying offer-eligible players, and we'll know it after the season. I believe it was around $20 million last year. It might go up a little bit from that, depending on the way that that frames out. But it's possible Flaherty would accept, was what Derek Gould reported tonight, and that would make him the third starter returning for the Cardinals, which would leave two spots to fill. And, of course, Michaelis and Steven Matz, who John Mozalek said yesterday, if he continues pitching like he has recently, you won't have to write his name in pencil you can write it in pen for the 2024 starting rotation. So Flaherty behind Michaelis and Mats would then be that third guy if they offered him the QO and he took it. If he didn't take it, you would still get draft pick compensation, but the Cardinals have been very clear about their lack of preference for that type of uh, recoupment, if you will, because those guys, those draft picks don't help the St. Louis Cardinals in 2024 or 2025, which are years that the Cardinals are very out front about prioritizing. They said, we're not trading Nolan Arenado. We're not trading Paul Goldschmidt. Those guys are centerpiece players for us in 2024. And depending on how they handle Goldschmidt's situation, they could decide to extend him in February or before then and have him for 2025 and beyond as well. That is going to get into some interesting territory considering his age and the lack of general competitiveness for the Cardinals right now. Would Goldschmidt want to commit to more years with St. Louis? Or will he decide to test free agency? Will he want to continue playing long-term? Like a lot of these questions are ones that have not been answered and they won't until we kind of see the way the Cardinals and Goldsmith both approach that situation. But bottom line, Cardinals are looking to contend as early as next year. They have expressed a high belief of optimism that they will be able to do so after reorganizing and restructuring and acquiring some new pitchers. But if you don't get anything for next year for Flaherty, that does make it a little bit less likely to be able to pull it off unless Flaherty is one of the answers in free agency, which could come via that qualifying offer. And honestly, if you knew he would take it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because first of all, it's just Bill DeWitt's money. He didn't spend enough of it on pitching this past off season through John Mosalak as the conduit there that did not do enough to build it up through free agency. When there were some opportunities, he said, the guys we went after, Either it's an excuse that they haven't pitched well with their new teams, so it's like we are off the hook for that, or they just didn't find a way to sign the guys that they were after, and John Mazzaloc just has to kind of throw his arms up and say, yep, we tried and we failed. But either way, DeWitt's payroll was lower as a result, and next year that simply cannot be the case. So if it's $20 million to Jack Flaherty, it's $20 million to Jack Flaherty on a one-year deal. But the problem that I have with this is, And it's not that I'm questioning Derek's reporting that this is the way the Cardinals are thinking about it because this sentence that follows the explanation from Derek that they could offer him the qualifying offer if they don't find a trade for him today within the next 24 hours, Derek says the Cardinals' appetite to potentially offer him the the qualifying offer and hope that he accepts it for that informs their asking price. And the exact sentence from Derek's article, the Cardinals' appetite for that informs they're asking Price the appetite to potentially add him on a one-year deal, have him as the third starter, and then only have two spots to go through free agency and the off-season trade market to fill for that 2024 rotation. The Cardinals do have an appetite for that. They have seen enough from Flaherty evidently to believe that that would be a worthwhile expedition. I personally don't agree with that. I think you need to trade Jack Flaherty before 5 p.m. Tuesday. I think $20 million, like I said, is only Bill DeWitt's money, and so it's not the end of the world. I am not 100% sure the Cardinals couldn't find more value for $20 million off the free agent market than Jack Flaherty. Granted, how many guys that are willing to take a $20 million per year annual salary will do so on a one-year deal in free agency? Yeah, it's probably not a list that's very lengthy or very worthwhile to have consideration from the Cardinals. So I get that angle of it. It may be that the best one-year deal you can come up with to fill one of those valuable spots in the rotation next year is Flaherty and hoping that he rebounds. But I'm going to be honest. You can trump up Jack Flaherty as a strikeout savant with what he's done this year, and it might be true relative to the rest of his teammates. But he's got 106 strikeouts in 109 and two-thirds innings. That's not even nine per nine. Right, it's an 8.7 strikeouts per nine innings rate, and it is one of the lower rates of his career. 2018, 19, and 20, he was above 10 Ks per nine. 2021, he was 9.8. Last year, dealing with some injuries, he was 8.3. Now he's 8.7. So it's a, it's a quality number, but it's not what it used to be, and I'm not so sure that paying him the highest salary of his career on a one-year deal rather than figure out what kind of asset you can get for him. I don't know if that's the right call. He's got a 4.43 ERA this season. I understand that, you know, defense has declined a little for the Cardinals. There are a couple of, you know, really brutal outings for Flaherty. I'm thinking of the one in early May that sort of uh, catapulted became the domino effect for the Wilson Contreras fallout of early May kind of comes to mind, maybe that's coloring his ERA of 4.43 so much that it doesn't give you an accurate depiction of what he's been for the rest of his season. I could totally get behind that and understand where that might be a valid point to be made. And maybe his ERA, I'm not going to do the math, but it might be 3.9. It might be 4.1 outside of that one troublesome outing against the Angels. So there is a world in which Jack Flaherty has a great finish to this season, Ends up looking like a bargain for $20 million on a one-year deal next season, and he accepts that qualifying offer. Although I would mention that if he does look like a bargain at that price, he probably declines the QO. You don't have him in your organization for next year anyway, and you do get the draft pick, but it's kind of too little too late. By the time building for a successful 2024 and 2025, that qualifying offer draft pick simply will not match up with that timeline there's no way that it would so you guys let me know what you think about this comment below on youtube youtube.com slash at bshafer 12 brendan shaffer st louis cardinals writer is the youtube channel would love to have you guys subscribe but i'm skeptical as to this being the direction the cardinals should go derek mentions that they're asking price which is a high one clearly and the reason it's high well that's colored by the fact that they have this sort of contingency plan in mind the contingency plan that If we don't find a good trade for Flaherty where we feel like we're getting max value, we could keep him in the organization. Maybe he's convinced that he'd like to stay, and maybe that's something that we would be more than open to, particularly on the 20000000 million-ish qualifying offer for next year. If he accepts that, suddenly we've got a lot less work to do in free agency this offseason to fill and staff that rotation. I guess there's some merit to that. But let me ask you this. This is a Cardinals rotation that has been bad this year. When we look at the reasons it's been bad, Adam Wainwright's had a career-worst season. He's going to be gone next year, and so if you replace him with a number three-level competency starter, you're improving a lot. I love Adam Wainwright, but he has not even been the competency of a number five this year. He's been well below a number five starter no matter how you slice it. He could end up being better than that beyond the end of the season – But we haven't seen the way his final two months are going to play out. But I'm just looking at it from what we know now. The Cardinals have got to improve the Wainwright spot. It won't be that difficult to find someone in free agency that can pitch to a better ERA than than Wainwright has so far through the four months as of July 31st. But other than that, you've lost Montgomery. That's a spot that you'll have to replicate out of free agency or the trade market and is a guy that has... I mean, he has been the Cardinals' best pitcher. So that's going to be difficult to suddenly... A, get a guy as good as him, stomach the dollars that it will take to acquire that player, and then maybe get a little bit above and beyond that because, again, with him in there, the Cardinals have had a very troublesome rotation. So let's assume they can sign someone like Aaron Nola, like one of the biggest fish on the free agent market, and let's assume that that guy pitches better than Montgomery has this year with like a 3.3 ERA. He's been very solid. Let's assume that for the sake of argument. Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz return, Jack Flaherty returns. What's that fifth spot going to look like to make sure that this Cardinals rotation is night and day different in a better way than it's been in 2023? Because if you bring the band back together, with the exception of Wainwright and the exception of Montgomery, who again, you're probably going to have a hard time getting someone as good as he's been. So at this point, your rotation has honestly gotten worse, not better. Like I said, with Wainwright, you could put somebody in there that's league average, just your standard number three or number four starter with a 4.6 ERA, and it's not ideal, but it's better than what Wainwright has given you through four months. If that ends up being the case, I can see where some improvement will come from. But Adam Wainwright has not been the only reason this rotation has struggled. Steven Matz has been a reason as well. Now, maybe the new version of Steven Matz allows the Cardinals to take some confidence that next year's entire group of starting five will look better than this one has because they won't be getting the two months of bad Mats. They'll assume the better version of Mats that we have seen recently, which I can understand their reasoning for doing so. He's already under contract, and it's very convenient to hope and pray that that's going to be the case. However, is it logical and is it probable that you'll get that consistency from Mats all of 2024? I don't know if it is, but they really don't have any other choice but to include him because it's not easy to fill three or even four starting rotation spots and not just fill them, but fill them effectively in a, a single offseason. So Mats is going to be penciled in or even written in pen, as Moselak mentioned on Sunday. Michaelis will be in there. Adding Flaherty back feels like a choice of convenience for the Cardinals rather than the right move. Because again, if he comes back next year and gives you nine Ks per nine with a 4.4 ERA like he's given you this year, the Cardinals are not going to improve at that spot. I think what you would be doing, the reason you'd be on board with a qualifying offer to Flaherty rather than a trade him for what you can get and restock the org, would be thinking that when you offer a contract to Flaherty and free agency and 29 other teams can do the same, he's probably not signing back for whatever you're offering. If you think you could get him back anyway, you trade him because you just need to restock the farm system. We've seen the impact that, that Sunday's move already, that series of moves, I should say, has had on that, where the Cardinals added three prospects to their top 10, according to MLB Pipeline, in yesterday's moves. So if you feel like Flaherty might be open to coming back anyway, you might tell him, hey, buddy, we're trading you because this is what we could get for you. Go win yourself a World Series, but don't don't forget about us. We want you back, if they, in fact, do want him back, which I don't doubt that they do, based on Derek Gould's reporting, that they're considering the qualifying offer as a potential avenue to do so if they're not able to come up with a reasonable trade for him. But that's what I don't understand. I think the Cardinals need to not be viewing it in that way. Don't wonder whether you can get a reasonable trade for him. Get a deal for him and have it be the best one that you can get, but it's a liquidation sale. I have been treating it that way in my mindset of the Cardinals are going to unload these expiring contracts because they need to restock the system. And I think that they do. I think that Flaherty is the last one that you've got to trade. Like Hicks, Montgomery, those guys had to be off this team. Stratton, if he could be lumped into another deal like he was, that's a good value to be able to to have that play out. Flaherty's the last guy, and I, I think the Cardinals, with their high asking price, made sense a couple of days ago. And you still want to have a high asking price. You want to be a good negotiator. You want to be shrewd. I get that. I think the Cardinals need to trade Jack Flaherty, and ultimately... They don't need to tell other teams this because that will you know, cost them leverage. They need to trade him for whatever they can get before 5 p.m. And maybe that's part of it. If I'm the Cardinals and I am looking to trade Jack Flaherty at all costs, I put out there in the media the idea that, hey, maybe we won't trade him. We, we have a high asking price because we might just keep him. That could be a smokescreen. That could be legitimate. I'm not doubting one bit. Derek's reporting. I am sure that it is accurate. But if I'm the Cardinals... I'd like to think that's not really their thinking. I'd like to think that they are going to move Flaherty for what they can get. Moselec said on Sunday, because of the deals of this day, we don't necessarily have to go pitching, pitching, pitching in the future moves we make before 5 p.m. Tuesday. We could potentially find ourselves in a spot where we can just take the best talent available for the talents that we have to offer in these deals. I think it would be a disappointment. Bottom line, a disappointment if the Cardinals don't trade Flaherty because I think it's little bit wishful thinking to feel like it's going to play out perfectly when it comes to this contingency plan of, well, if we don't find a deal for him, at least we can do the qualifying offer, which is not the type of phrasing they were using a couple of weeks ago, by the way, Alex said 2024 is what we're searching for guys that can help us then 2025 will still be considered, you know, which kind of tells you double a prospects that may not be ready by 24. It's not out of the question that the Cardinals would pursue those. This was July 17th when he said these things. But the quote from him was, 2026 feels like it's a ways away, which to me says, if you're looking at draft picks drafted in July 24, those guys aren't ready until 26 at the earliest. And that's not the window the Cardinals are looking at. So this would be a change from that. They can say it now if they want to, because maybe the market for Flaherty hasn't developed the way that they've wanted it. But let's not pretend that it's this good thing and this positive potential thing that, oh, at least we have the qualifying offer, how wonderful, and maybe he'll even accept it, which will help the Cardinals fill out their rotation for next year. I still think that's not the way they should go. That's my personal belief. I think they should trade him, even if it's not going to meet the high asking price that they've held. They don't have to tell anybody that until 4.59 on Tuesday, when they go, all right, we played this game of cat and mouse, and we lost it, but we can still get a prospect, we can still get a piece back for Jack Flaherty, who we ship off to a contender and we revisit with him in the offseason if we really have a belief that he should be part of our future, which I'm skeptical that the Cardinals think that. I'm sure that it feels like a nice idea. He's been here long enough. He knows the organization, and there is obvious potential within him to be able to pitch better than he's pitched this season and, honestly, to be able to pitch at a Cy Young level. That's what he did in 2019, and for the second half of the season, there was nobody better in 2019. So Jack Flaherty does have that within him. I'm not discounting the possibility that he'll do it again in the future. And honestly, if he goes somewhere else, I, I, I say you almost can bank on it happening. Because sometimes a change of scenery just unlocks something new for players. And Flaherty, I, I wouldn't be shocked because we've seen it before in glimpses. I wouldn't be shocked if he were the type of guy that could put it all together in a new environment with a change of scenery. But the narrative that I can see forming surrounding Jack Flaherty, if they can't find a way to trade him, was kind of placed in what I read from Derek tonight, which is the idea that they could bring him back on that qualifying offer. The problem with that is there's no guarantee that he'd accept it, and it's going to be contingent upon how he performs in August and September. So are you actually going to be rooting against your pitcher to say, I hope he doesn't pitch so well that he declines our qualifying offer, because then he's got to go out, and Moselech's got to go out and find another pitcher for next season and free agency. It feels like a bad business move to bank on Flaherty not pitching well enough that he would decline the QO. And if he declines it, yeah, you get the draft pick, but they are on record saying that's not what they're after at this deadline. That's not valuable to them in the way that double a type prospects and above are. So to me, it's clear you trade Jack Flaherty before Tuesday at five o'clock. Yes, there is a contingency and it's nice to have one. I don't think the contingency should be coloring the asking price when it boils down to it at 5 p.m. Tuesday. Up until then, it's okay for other teams to see it that way. It's okay for other teams to look at it and go, they might not trade him. We might have to bump up the offer if we really believe we need to have this guy to help our rotation. Because the idea of Jack Flaherty shoving in October, it's not too far-fetched. A, we've seen it before. He had a brilliant start against the San Diego Padres in the COVID playoffs. Didn't win that game. Offense didn't show up for him, but there's no doubt in my mind that Jack Flaherty can perform on that stage. Another team should be interested in that. And if the Cardinals are just playing the cat and mouse game to say, hey, we've got a high asking price for a reason because we've got a plan if we can't find a trade for him, I say, bravo. They're handling it just as they should. But we're going to find out by Tuesday at 5 o'clock what actually goes down when it comes to Flaherty. And in my belief, the Cardinals should still be full steam ahead on trading him, I would consider it a missed opportunity. If they don't, even if they will come out and say the exact things that uh, Derek has already reported, and the reason it's been reported is because it's got some legs to it. So I'm interested to see which direction this thing blows in the next 24 hours. Let me know, though, what you think in the YouTube comments below. Do you think the Cardinals are going to ultimately trade Jack Flaherty? Do you think they even should? Do you disagree with me that... No, it's more important to have a shot at a lockdown, guaranteed known commodity in that rotation for 2024. And the avenue to doing that would be to hang on to Flaherty and find a way to potentially have him ink that qualifying offer or some other type of extension in the offseason, which would make the job of John Mozeliak filling out this rotation a little easier. My thought is, that's great, but is the rotation better than it was this year if you largely bring back the same group? How do you reckon with that, knowing that one of the guys that you'll have to be replacing is your best pitcher from this season in a rotation that already wasn't doing enough? A lot of factors to consider. I think it's a very intriguing and fascinating conversation. I want to hear from you guys on the topic, though. YouTube.com slash at B 12. Click on this video discussing Jack Flaherty. Drop down and comment with your thoughts below. Should the Cardinals trade him? Should they keep him? Should they sign him? or make a run at him in the offseason if the qualifying offer concept goes south? Let me know what you think, because John Mozeliak and the Cardinals are trying to rebuild this organization very quickly. They're doing it on the fly, and they're expecting that by February 2024, we're coming into a Cardinals season where expectations are once again high. Can they pull it off, and how will Flaherty fit into all of that? I'm interested for your thoughts, so once again, drop them below, and make sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts when it comes to Be Shafe Daily and the Brendan Schaefer St. Louis Cardinals writer YouTube channel. That is going to do it for this edition of the show. However, appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time post-trade deadline on b Shafe Daily. Peace.